Hi, I'm Brendan Hay. I'm Marie Chang. I'm Sarah Nervoso. I'm Mike Yank. And we, we are some of the writers of Harvey Girls Forever. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and how do you make everything you ever wanted come true at the last minute. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. As you may have heard, we have some special guests today, uh, some of our favorite funny people from the writer's room of Harvey Girls Forever, uh, Brendan, Mike, Sarah, Marie. Um, if you want to share, just for everyone, also your job titles right now, I don't know if it's changed since the last time we talked, or refresh us what's going on, say hi. Hi. Uh, so yeah, I'm Brendan Hay. Uh, I'm uh, one, the executive producer and one of the co-showrunners of Harvey Girls Forever. I'm Marie Chang. I was a script coordinator and a freelance writer on Harvey Girls Forever. I'm Sarah Nervoso. I was a staff writer on Harvey Girls Forever. <laughs> I'm uh, Mike Yank. I was the uh, story editor on Harvey Girls Forever, and my name remains funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like Too that. True. It, it's a constant thing. Now we just know. Continuity. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first off, for our audience, I want to say uh, thank you for doing the homework we assigned last time, which we're not talking about in this episode whatsoever. But next time, we're still going to talk about the Oscar-nominated short films. Uh, so <laughs> you didn't waste that for nothing. Today, we're talking about Harvey Girls Forever. Um, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's just wrapped up after its fourth season. Um, and just to refresh, because obviously you've heard we talked to, to some of this staff before. Um, based on some characters from the old Harvey comics, and they've introduced even more since we last spoke. Richie Rich, Casper the Friendly Ghost, and Baby Huey the Terrifying Giant Baby Duck. <laughs> Which, until I saw in the episode, I was convinced was a nightmare I had as a child. That's, I think we all were. In fact, yeah. one of our other, the, our staff writer who is not here, Rachel McNevin, um, her mom told her baby Huey stories growing up, which were, was a mix of both something she loved and feared. Um, but also her mom kind of took credit for them. And it wasn't until years later that she realized her mom did not make up these baby Huey stories just for her. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. <sighs> that is like a parenting goal. Like to yeah. make, <laughs> if I could somehow convince my child, like that I made up the, who Luke Skywalker was or something like that. It's like It, it is really is a goal, I think, for all of us. Exactly, yeah. I'm still yeah. working on just convincing my daughters that zebras make a noise that it's just zebra, 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 zebra. <laughs> <laughs> like a Pokemon. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> my son still thinks giraffes say humana, 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 though. So. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I don't know I how he still think. thinks that, but he does. But let's talk about season four of Harvey Girls Forever. Um, the last time we talked, it was season two was about to come out. It was right about when Richie Rich was about to be introduced into the, the playing field, the pond of Harvey Street. Um, and kind of a lot's happened since then. And kind of a lot happens in season four. Um, when were you starting to work on season four? I think we wrote season four about two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the season four writing, again, in kind of the weird schedule of all with both animation and Netflix, I think we wrote season four probably from about January to June 2018. Because, yeah. yeah, then we wrapped po we wrapped production on season four December 18, finished post on season four last May. So that would be May 2019. 
So the show's been done since like May 2019, but then Netflix scheduling was season two dropped in May 2019. So it's just all, yeah, the combination of both the lag time, not lag time, everybody's always working, but just the long process (laughs) of everyone, of the animation coupled with Netflix, uh, the Netflix algorithm master computer really has its own choices. So um, yeah, (laughs) it takes a bit. It's still as fresh as the day we wrote. <laughs> I'm just glad, yeah. All of our topical humor, our Gangnam Style joke that we chose yeah. not to go with, we were fine, and nothing gets stated. Yeah. Well, I guess there's there's that point where you you're writing a little bit more. I wouldn't say generically, but you're writing spe- specifically to the characters, and as long as the characters are going, it doesn't. It feels timeless in a way. Um, the technology is so um, off the wall. You know, Richie's technology and apps that he has are just so out there that it it doesn't matter if it was two years ago or four years from now. It's going to just feel ridiculous and fun. That's the hope. Um, yeah, it'd be scary <laughs> if those apps become real and then that <laughs> changes. Oh, but, oh, oh, definitely. oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so coming in, um, did you know as you were writing it that this was the final season? I would I would suppose that somebody would have told you at some point <laughs> that it was the final season. Yeah, one, one thing that actually is really great about uh, Netflix is they do give you that heads up. Um, we knew coming into the very start of season four that there was that that was going to be the final season that it was basically I think it was like probably like near the end either near the end of writing season three or start of writing season four we knew we were going to be ending where we were um so we had plenty of time to a plan the finale that we want and anything that we need to do to get to that point but also kind of what you were yeah saying. we had a, like um a, a whiteboard all the ideas of like things we we dreamed of getting to or like we need to make sure we have one big melvin episode before the end like things we had like it's a closure yeah Yeah. like things we have to do things we dream of doing yeah kind of exactly like yeah yeah. like one of the ones like i remember one of the things throughout was always like you want to do a pirate episode yeah yeah so it's like things like that so it could be kind of like when going into our final season it was like okay we can start checking off like all the things that we either need to do or want to do (laughs) yeah so I have to know, uh, for each of you, what was your favorite thing that you wanted to do that was on that board? Whether it made it in the show or not. <laughs> um, I'm taking a quick um, look at this. I, I can go for it. Yeah, um, go for it. For me, like from day one, I was like bothered that we didn't have a design for Audrey's room. Oh, um, yeah. Like day one of season one. I was like, that's weird. Um, so I was really glad that we finally got to see the inside of Audrey's room, which was terrifying, um, and exactly as it should be. So I'm really glad that we we got there. Um, I really wanted to do either Casper or Wendy the Witch. Uh, after we, like jumping around a little bit, like, but once we kind of had our like reinvention of Richie, it really did push me to be like, oh my God, like I really, I'm enjoying expanding this to other characters. So, yeah, it was like, I want to try to get one of the magical characters, and can we figure out a way to make them feel like they could fit into uh, our world? So, the Casper episode for me. Yeah, I really enjoy um, working on genre format parodies, so I was, uh, had a lot of fun working on the uh, Bobby, Judge Judy uh, Oh, yeah, <laughs> so great. God, I, yeah, I love that. That was, oh, was the Bobby, Bobby of Bobby Evidence, Bobby. that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that one, yeah. Um, I love Stu. Stu's like one of my favorite characters, so I was really happy that my freelance got to be about Stu and Audrey's friendship. That was really great. Yes. I do love that episode a lot. It's so perfect. <laughs> Thank you. 
I know I skipped some stuff in the middle, but as soon as I saw them together, like, yes, this makes sense. This is right. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like, yeah, there's a whole series going on in the background there of, like, Stu and Audrey just hanging out regularly since their other episode where they did that. Yeah. <laughs> off screen. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So after you get that everything on the whiteboard, how do you go from that to a completed script for the final episode? Like, what do you do to even get that going? Um, so yeah, so we did, so we would always kind of start our season, and usually we actually do this about like two or three times across the season of just all of us pitching out all the ideas that we could possibly want to do and getting like probably like three to four times as many ideas as we would ever have episodes. So usually in a cool retro eating establishment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of uh, Burbank or Glendale's many fine diners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we would do that, brainstorm as much, then Mike and I would kind of look at the list and start paring it down along the lines of like, okay, we know we want to do a Lucretia episode, we know we want to do a Fredo episode, things like that. We know we always want to get Chevron in at least once, that kind of a deal. So as we would break it down and start kind of grouping ideas based on that. So if it was like we had like, here are three great Melvin ideas, let's kind of pick this one feels the most fleshed out or ready to go, let's try that. And a lot of times also, or we would look at things and be like, okay, here are two ideas that are both kind of like vaguely uh, disastrous theme park type ideas. And it's like, can they be merged into one? Or it's like, you know, it's a, here's a theme park idea. Here's a Horn of Corns Come Alive idea. Can they be mashed into one episode? So we start grouping things. And then from there, it really is just kind of like letting people's passion somewhat dictate how, when they get written in the order. So if it's like... Sarah's really excited. Like, I think I can actually really see that pirate idea I pitched. I can really kind of see it. And yeah. that becomes a, a one that we write earlier versus later on. Like, we know we want to get to this, but we might need a little more time to flesh it out. That might just get pushed back a little later. So and the harder stuff is later. Yeah. Harder <laughs> stuff later, which is why you'll see Casper and uh, some dollar <laughs> episodes later. Um, and then also, but then we also knew at the end, it was like, okay, once Mike pitched out the uh, Lucretia episode for this run, the Harvely Ever After, is like that, the Audrey Zoe episode and the finale all felt like, well, these have to kind of be stories that we do very much at the end. This is character development. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these actually kind of, and even like the tiny one that we have. Yeah, like there's a few of those where it's like, okay, this kind of resolves their whole story, so it has to be later. Yeah. Cartoon characters aren't supposed to learn and. Learn. Exactly, yeah. That was a uniquely <laughs> season four problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like because our show never had continuity, sometimes we'll always like at later in the games like switch things for like, oh, like airing order versus production order. But because this is like the only season I think that actually has some continuity, I realized that there's like a shot earlier in the season of like Tiny and the dra Tiny and the, the, the Hawk, hawk yeah. getting along. But I'm like, oh, oh. no, like we air that's airing before the episode where they actually do get along, like that kind of thing. It's the only <laughs> season that has any continuity to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoy that they do have character growth, but you also embraced making fun of that at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It just becomes this parade of characters who've changed and grown all of a sudden. I no longer have pink eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that was also a little bit of our inventory of like episodes we might have gotten to if we had more time. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that was just lurking on our board forever. Of like, right. pink eye doesn't have pink eye anymore. Does it need to be an episode or can it be one line? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it could be one line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As it turns out. <laughs> and then it comes back. I, I really appreciated the way that it, it did come back um, later on. And he. 
It's like well, I was looking for a new way to reinvent myself, and now I find myself. And he, he's like, oh, I don't need that anymore. I'm back. Great. <laughs> Chewed himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as you're going through the finale, if if we look at that 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 finale, um, where it starts with that everybody has a change and everyone's evolving. Um, where were you hoping, what were you hoping the audience was going to get at the very end? Um, being okay with change, honestly. I think that was a little bit of going into the finale. It was two things. We knew we wanted to give something that had, had some sense of actual closure, but at the same time it was like, we're not going to jump to them being adults. We're also never going to break them up as friends. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit like, since we know that, Pretty much like the status quo of them being children and friends is going to remain, but still wanting to give something that does feel like, okay, this is the end of this particular era of like these characters' lives. How do you create that without some kind of like crazy external threat or something like that? So it was trying to keep it very grounded. And one of the things we also talked about a lot was always trying to think of like what's something that's relatively relatable for children. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's one thing that when we were brainstorming what should happen in the finale, like a thing of changing schools or your friend moving away is like a scary thing when you're a kid of like, oh my God, everything's going to be different forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. It also gave us sort of an organic reason to celebrate their friendship and the show mm-hmm. and, you know, revisit a lot of our favorite moments because they're reminiscing about their time together. Yeah. I think, I remember, and I'm forgetting now, was it, I feel like it was either Marie, Sarah, or Rachel pitched out the funeral, friendship moving as funeral idea i don't remember i don't remember out of one of those big brainstorming sessions somebody pitched out the concept that like one of those things where yeah it all built on each other yeah yeah, which makes sense somebody though pitched out the idea of like oh there's a parallel like if somebody were to move off the block it'd be the equivalent of like somebody dying dying, (laughs) and the kids kind of taking reacting this way and thinking about their own like kind of like what if I leave the block someday like their own kind of mortality <laughs> through that yeah so somebody pitched that as a different episode idea at some point and that became something that we were like that's a good idea to keep in mind for a finale right if I a kid was, moves on yeah that was, was like, it a kid moves on yeah, that was yeah. the terminology we used yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I feel like it was somebody like Penny or something moving away yeah eventually. it began as a minor thing and then I was like oh well if we switch that to being one of our core characters and then it was thinking about like well Lada's got the biggest heart and kind of... The most of, connections to everybody. Yeah, she's yeah. like, let's yeah. do that with her. Also, one of the other things we were looking for is an excuse to... Uh, we always, The one idea I think Aliki and I had in the back of our heads for the whole series was, in the finale is the one time you actually get to see the kids' families or parents. <laughs> so that was always kind of like, we saw a little bit as like a final shot of like, okay, if almost that the whole series has been the time between like when their school day would end and when they'd like have to go home for dinner then the end of the series should be they actually have to go in for dinner for once yeah. and <laughs> yeah. you actually get to see their parents or families. So that was just the back of our mind idea. So again, this also kind of lent itself to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think things that we were pitched and very quickly were thrown out like, oh, summer is finally over. And we realized <coughs> yeah. a lot of shows have done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Something to feel closure. Yeah. And again, hopefully that kids then realize like, okay, your lives will change, but your friendships and what matters to you doesn't have to change. And and it does change that title then a little bit because Harvey Girls Forever, but they're now split up. You know, it changes what that really means. You know, it makes it more an internal thing. They're, they are Harvey Girls Forever. Nothing's going to change that. And it's not that they're together on the block that, you know, makes that happen. It's a state totally. of mind. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like our crew now. Yeah. Yeah. And because in some ways it's your finale too, as a writing team. So how did that affect your writing of the episode, knowing that as a team, you were kind of the process when we did, when we do some of these group written episodes is I, we write different parts and then come together and it, it all melts. But when I was writing my section. I was crying. Yeah. Like, I was <laughs> as I read. And when I read like the song that Mike oh wrote, my God, yeah. I was like, oh. just like, I was a mess, yeah. just a mess at home. And then I guess I cried throughout this whole process. When we did the read through, I cried. And I mean, it's yeah. just those, uh, it's, I, you know, at least, I think I, a lot of everybody feels, but I'm so attached to these characters. It really is like saying mm-hmm. not only goodbye to the crew, but goodbye to Lada, goodbye to Dot. Yeah. yeah. The whole little world. That was incredibly sweet. Our final take, because we, uh, every episode when we would, uh, when the script was done, we'd hand it off to the board artists and the directors that we would always do a table read. Um, and for the finale, we did a table read with them, but also with the whole crew. Yeah. Um, so it was a very, very sweet, also very emotional <laughs> table read yeah. for everybody. Um, it was also funny that was where we learned that the design team, because the design team would do their own table reads, and we learned oh, that basically yeah. within our crew, they were like dueling Audrey's and Lada's, like everybody was always cast the same. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like the writers and board artists had one cast, and then like the design team had another cast, and we had to pick like, well, your Fredo is a little better than her Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a really sweet, it was, gave, our, gave us to have a little catharsis at the end there. I think it shows in the episode. I think there's yeah. real emotion. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like that song at the end, it's it's like a better version that I would have wanted to sing as a kid of that song, like, make new friends, the old are silver and the new are gold. <laughs> I was rewatching it again for a second time. I was like, I hope that every day is Saturday where you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think I think that's the line that made me like the most misty is like I it's just this friendly I, I do hope that things go great for you and I hope that you're getting the best and the fact that they say it to Lada and it's everyone expressing things that those characters don't normally say to somebody who is all about love uh just means the more. Um when my I was watching it again uh, last night, and my wife was catching it, and she's like, "This is sad." Like, <laughs> like, she's, like she's she's typing on her laptop, and then she looks up. She's like, "This is sad." Like, what what is happening? <laughs> like, why does she have to move? I'm like, I can't explain it to you right now. Like, <laughs> it's the last episode. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a bit of a tightrope to have the sort of like legitimate like heart and drama to it but also like it's a cartoon and like kind of fun yeah and um i think you know the directors and storyboard artists really like crushed um the way that they um you know brought that to life yeah i love that calendar of saturdays yeah oh my god yeah so cool love that image and just for the again the great things of what gets peppered into that in such a uh, emotion-focused episode also has Audrey's fish sprouting legs uh, to evolve away from her, uh, which is a, I remember just, yeah, seeing that drawing that our board artist, Andrew Marshall, drew it. And that just, because it's one of those gags that I think when written in, I was like, this could really go either way. Like, I'm not sure if this one was going to work. And then seeing Andrew's drawings, I'm like, no, this is amazing. This is I checked great. and I did have that in my yeah. original, like, pages and yeah. I remember when we all read it you were like okay so what what was that direction like how do you write that did you, like what did it say in it the script said, um 
like Bruce Sprout's legs a la evolution um, <laughs> and that's it was just because I it was very fast and, and then and then that's the beauty of animation you write something just like literally one sentence and a great storyboard artist takes it and actually makes yeah. it live yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> wow Magical. so what other what other images um, when you were coming through the finale were were really important for you guys to capture. I mean, I love this stuff with Dot, you know, closing up her inner self so she wouldn't feel emotions. But but what are some of those other things that you thought were really necessary to have in there? Um, I really, I did really love all the kind of final character check-ins where it almost felt like, like here's a series wrap on every single character. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when I was to say most, the Lucretia yeah. getting yeah. her chance to finally move up into <clears throat> official uh, uh, Harvey girl status. Uh, and also again for like where it was like the perfect mix for me of like, uh, humor and emotions. It's like, oh, this is like perfect. This is what Lucretia's always wanted. It's like really fulfilling her. And then Dalcretia, just with her quick line of this undoes years of our therapy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, also just seeing Lucretia in that Lada outfit, I love. Oh, yeah. It fits her so well. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, yeah, anybody else? Yeah. Um, I, I thought the Melvin truce with Audrey was yeah. a little yeah. sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah, and that, like they've changed. Their relationship is gone on yeah. they've all grown a little bit yeah sort of echoes the first episode where yeah. they have that ice cream moment at the end yeah yeah, yeah it's a nice little callback with that oh and also anytime we ever got audrey to cry always also worked for me in both being very sad and hilarious just because of uh stephanie lemelin's performance of anytime she had audrey crying of just that like full go to 11 ugly cry that she would do uh it was amazing i'm really glad i mean it's not a moment but i'm glad we were able to get a musical number for the first time this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to pull back the curtain a little yeah. bit on that, um, we, not exaggerating, we blew through the... Because our show was never supposed to be a musical, like <laughs> so, like when they like a show like Trolls, uh, DreamWorks budgets you accordingly, like knowing there would be a song every episode because there's different costs uh, for that. We were not, but we, across season two and three, kind of became a musical, having songs in most episodes. So we actually had DreamWorks execs pull us aside, basically, and be like, no. you cannot do any more music on your show. It is like, you're, stop. you blew your music budget. So we part of the agreement going into season four is like, we will have no music, except we do want to be able to have one song in the finale. And they're like, fine. And then... So we at least got that, which did lead to some changes, like the the Hanukkah episode. Yeah, it was originally, originally going to be about a Hanukkah song. Yeah, yeah. and then it became mm-hmm. her play instead. So, like, but it was like, we made this agreement; it was fine. Then I will say, I'm proud proud to say, <laughs> apparently, it is the longest original song ever in a DreamWorks animated series. Our finale number, because when the music department got it, they shared that with us and were like sweating. It was basically just an immediate sweat on our poor uh, on Elliot's uh, face yeah. there. <laughs> We got all our guest stars in. Yeah, yeah, that was super fun. Getting to bring everybody. That was actually a fun moment for the finale. Also, getting to bring back, uh, yeah, Nick and Anna and yeah. yeah. All our, I like Chev- Chevron's line of like we haven't interacted much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, and the one shot within that uh, where it's Blaze Trickle riding the goat is <laughs> a total in joke solely to our crew, basically because um, our wonderful exec Maria Krenna, who genuinely we really did get along with, and she was a great. Gave great notes, really was a great advocate for our show. 
But the one key distinction for her and the rest of our crew is she hated Blaze Trickle and the goat. <laughs> and our crew and especially our writer's room, we would well, our writer's room would have basically written Blaze and the goat into every episode. And our board artist also would have stuck the goat in goat, every yeah. single episode. Richie so, was originally going to be a Blaze Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, it was this whole and the amount of time she's like, please take that out. Please take that out. <laughs> So as in the finale, us having Blaze Trickle ride the goat felt like our little our little way for ourselves and tip of the hat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a good way to make that stronger too. If you love the goat so much and Blaze Trickle, and you have to take it out sometimes, that means that what's left is just the best of both. <laughs> it's, it really is. Yeah, and I will say any any gag that survived was a gag that was strong enough to at least make her be like. Okay. <laughs> a little goes a long way with plays. Yeah, yeah, that is true. In general, we don't have a ton of adults yeah. around. Which, to be fair, was her very valid note of the more you have a incredibly hairy, <laughs> macho man interacting with children, she's like, this just feels wrong. Like it's just, I'm like, okay, I get it. Fine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you curse your valid points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I do. I did want to ask um, a little bit about the Casper episode too, um, because as you were mentioning, bringing in these magical characters like Wendy, who got a a, a great um, announcement in the finale, it was like, "Yes, Wendy." <laughs> it's like, I was like, "Is it Wendy?" No, it's not Wendy. It's something else. <laughs> Darn it! Um, but bringing in somebody magical into this world that is kind of magical already, but not quite to those levels. Um, just talking through the planning phases of bringing Casper in and what, what was going on with the team to, to make that happen. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Um, it was, so originally actually we were take we actually took Mike wrote up a great pitch of basically how to get Wendy in originally. Um, mm-hmm. And due yeah. to a completely external outside of anybody on our show and, kind of even to DreamWorks animation to some degree, basically turned out to be one of those cases of we can't use Wendy. So we got like a little bit down that road and then we're like, actually don't do that. But they're like, but the, what they came back of, because earlier in the series, like a season or so earlier was like, oh, you probably can't use Casper. We got a similar kind of thing. But then when we tried Wendy, they're like, actually you can use Casper. So it was us then, (laughs) yay, and trying to figure that out. Um, I forget. It's another thing that I feel like was out of the whole room. I forget where it came. And you might have had Harvey Boulevard in your Wendy episode. Mm-hmm. So I think Mike came with the idea of Harvey Boulevard. So then it was like, okay, so that feels like a good kind of like parallel universe on top of our universe as a way to get our supernatural stuff in. And then I forget mm-hmm. who had the pitch of Casper being a ghost who didn't want to scare people, which felt like true to who Casper's always been, but also with the... A kid who doesn't feel like he fits in would feel like a kid for Harvey Street and that our girls could actually work with and help. So it's like, okay, there's a kid angle here that works for our show, but also still feels like a version of Casper that we've that feels at least unique enough but still true to who Casper is. And I think we kind of started from that point and just kept building. I do remember there was a fine line of like, we can't, we don't want to break this world, you know, like to be like, they're ghosts, you know, <laughs> suddenly for somebody like Dot especially, yeah. like she would have a, Raises a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just she just dot in a corner like, what does this all mean? You know. Yeah. We, 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 so so it's also like the kids aren't really you know sure about. I mean, we do have like the bow who sort of breaks some of that yeah. world too. So I think that led to them being together. I think so. And again, I think it's also that like one of the 
I think Mike got to fairly early on of like, oh, if there is a character who would be tied to the supernatural, it would be the bow. And using yeah. her as a little bit of our gateway or our way to kind of like connect to some of that. Yeah. Yeah, that made me not question anything. Yeah. So, oh, the bow's involved. Okay, I'll go with yeah. it. Yeah, and that was the, and exactly as the kind of hope was exactly that also. It's like, okay, if the girls can take that, because like, I think it would be like the girls would see like, okay, this is just the bow thing. And they wouldn't ask too many questions. And that hopefully that would be exactly that. It would translate to the audience the same way. <laughs> so on the topic of Casper going in, I have to know, um, because I don't know if it's just me growing up in the age that I grew up, I feel like I didn't have a lot of good Casper representation when I was a child. <laughs> so I kind of went into the Casper episode like, oh, it's another Casper. Like, I love Harvard Girls Forever, but I was not ready to, like, trust in a new Casper. <laughs> and then Bobby Moynihan starts talking. I'm like, oh, it's Bobby. I totally see how this is different on board. I'm ready. Oh, was nice. it always going to be Bobby? <laughs> um, Fairly early. Yeah. I think it was before Bobby. I just think we had... There was nobody in particular. I think the only other voice I remember when writing the episode was um, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. Mm. Um, and a lot of, or even less his, but less his specific voice and more his nervous energy. Because mm. I feel like he has, which Bobby Moynihan actually has also, that very specific, never gets too anxious or uncomfortable nervous energy. But it's always a kind of very welcoming, positive nervous energy. Both of them. So that was kind of something that I felt like, okay, that's going to work with Casper too. Basically similar to Richie. Early on on Richie, we had the thing of like, okay, we want him to always remain likable. And with Casper mm. also, it's like, okay, if he gets too kind of anxious or whiny, then it starts to kind of stop being fun. Yeah. So it was trying to figure out a way to keep the, but we want him to be nervous and uncomfortable. So also it felt like it was fun. Like, oh, it's a ghost who's uncomfortable to be around humans. Right. I, I thought it was a, an obviously unique take immediately, which is what changed my mind as soon as I heard him talk. <laughs> Good. And so yeah, and then it was, well. yeah, thank you. And it was, yeah, as soon as we knew that was the energy, yeah, Bobby Moynihan was a very clear choice and it's so like, happy we got him. I feel like it's like a good and bad aspect of a lot of the Harvey Comics characters is there's sometimes not a lot of personality to pull from aside from like, nice. <laughs> so, so that it makes, it's, it, it makes us more free reign. Yeah. Because usually all of them have, like, such a clear, like, hook or premise. So it's like, okay, there's totally something that drives the comedy. And then it would be, like you said, it's like, now how do we add more personality or, like, deepen that personality? Yeah. It was also fun. I remember watching some old Casper cartoons yeah. that were like, whoa, mm-hmm. stuff was dark. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that was our other big choice early on was the, is Casper a dead child? Like, or are we oh, going yeah. with the where he's the child of ghosts? Because um, thankfully, it was finding both options throughout kind of like Casper history, and it was like once we saw, it's like, oh, there's a version where he's just the child of two other ghosts. We're like, yes, we yeah. are doing that. We are not touching. Ghosts are are just a species of yep. creature. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, and that, that gave movie us from the '90s. Work. Yeah, where he's actually a dead kid. I was like, no, 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 no. This is this is bad. This yeah. Is bad. yeah, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> Um, and it was also fun, yeah, once we had Harvey Boulevard, that was we got to introduce then, got to do, like, our little cameos of other Casper characters or Stumbo the Giant and, like, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Which, that, that place is legitimately creepy. I think most of it is, is the music in there. I mean, but it, it does not seem like a friendly place at all. That's what you we know, wanted. It, yeah. 
we wanted the kind of a little bit of the opposite of Harvey Street, and that was that episode was um, so our art our regular art director Peter Emmerich um, uh, very kindly one of his things for the end of our run was he wanted to take our background suit Matt During and give him an episode to art direct so he could kind of get that experience before we wrap the show to move on with that credit for it and uh, Scare Bud was actually the episode that Matt art directed. So that was, yeah, yeah him and his team. He was really team. excited to get a chance to, like, design a whole world. I remember talking to him about it. He was just... So yeah. he really got delved into Casper lore, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. he killed it. Yeah, it was yeah. him and the director of that episode, Adam Rosette, I remember also. And oh, yeah. Elise, our board artist on that, um, also really dug into Casper and Harvey Comics lore. Because I remember a lot of those cameos in the Boulevard se- sequence are uh, them. Like, that was stuff that kind of either design or the board team found. And be like, oh, we should drop this in. And yeah. I forget, um, <clears throat> it was Rachel um, on our design team who came up with the cat bus kind of oh, really? homage. Yeah. Uh, the, like, <laughs> that kind sounds of, like her. Yeah, yeah it was like kind of like I, taking the Harvey Street ice cream t- truck and turning it into like kind of like a version of cat bus from Totoro. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if ever you're going to have a Miyazaki reference in Harvey Girls Forever, it's going to be on Harvey Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I did appreciate that in some ways I was slightly disappointed, but in some ways I totally understood that Casper didn't become, you know, a, a regular on the on the street as, as much as Richie did, because I felt like his arc wasn't the same as Richie's. You know, his relationship with the girls wasn't as necessary and long lasting. So it was it was nice that it's like, great, I, I'm glad that we met him. And I don't think we necessarily need to see him again and have closure with him. Um, he maybe he gets his spinoff, but I don't. You know, I think he's okay. Done on Harvey Street. Yeah, that I think uh, that that spinoff part was, I think, part of our dream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> backdoor pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, that was even down to the additional castings. It was like besides just Bobby Moynihan as Casper, we had Mike Carlson as Spooky, and it was a little bit of also like already in at least my head of like the man. Don't you want like hoping that like various execs at various places be like, don't you want to see these guys together again? Like, come on, like let's. <laughs> yeah, that one and uh, the Richie Rich and the TPR of Doom uh, were both. Uh, kind of playing with and mocking the idea of like a backdoor pilot for cartoon but at the same time like I mean if you do want to make it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Adventure, treasure hunter yeah. I mean yeah Richie treasure hunter with Tiny and Lucretia who yeah. who wouldn't want to see that yeah, yeah. yeah. Netflix I, I would I would watch that I would watch I wish that watch the heck out of that um, the, I mean the thing that that surprised me most about um, because when when last we spoke, you know, Richie was just a tag at the very final um, moment of season two. Um, but how much you reinvented Richie Rich to make him, as you said, just likable, but also real, but also outlandish, which is what you've done for all the characters, which is uh, remarkable. It's like they can be ridiculous, but grounded and I don't, it's, it's rough because when you have a billionaire child, it's like, how do you ground that? And, and where do you find your footing um, to make him 
real <laughs> and, you know, yeah, living I on the street. We were all struggling uh, with it, but uh, Brandon definitely led the way in yeah. figuring out who the character was, and we sort of followed his lead, and I'm very happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Uh, I do joke that Richie might be the closest I've come to writing myself into a show <laughs> in terms of, uh, it's like, oh, just kind of, relentless optimism pushing forward and (laughs) just sometimes trying to plaster over the problems or like we'll figure that out and just keep (laughs) going Um, when I got to the feel Thulu stuff especially I'm like alright I'm going to start dealing with my own demons via routine (laughs) (laughs) Mm, writing is therapy exactly yeah yeah (laughs) there was also always like a little bit of like we don't want him to be like a genie that he could solve everything with money you know Mm. because that's Mm. the thing like sometimes oh, well, Richie could just buy them a new house or, you know, whatever it is. So we have to figure out what are the problems that even the rich can have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, I will say that was also in terms of casting. It was once we found Jack Quaid, that was also a case of, oh, we're going to be fine. Because I think up until then, it was also a little bit like, well, on paper, we, we, know, we think we know how he sounds, but there was still even, I know, from like a few people... Uh, being concerned like well is he still going to come off likable is he still going to come off friendly or is he going to come off more weird sometimes when we leaned into other things and once we found Jack who has just such a kind of warm personality it was another case of like okay this is going to be fine yeah it definitely helped us also write to his voice yeah better yeah and he gelled so well with the actors who play the girls too <clears throat> yeah like it was really great the times we were able to have them together oh my god yeah, yeah. when we were able to because thank every time that we could as far as everybody's schedule is allowed it would be always at the very least uh the three harvey girls and jack and then we would try to get whoever else we could in the booth at the same time to record uh the great fun fact from behind the scenes oh. uh stephanie lemelin our audrey was jack quaid's babysitter sometimes growing up <laughs> <laughs> yeah what oh, really yeah <laughs> One of those great weird things that came out in like the first record of everybody together there. Yeah, yeah. The small world. Did they know that each would be there before they were recording together? I think so. I know <laughs> Stephanie knew that. Stephanie had this kind of in her pocket ready for Jack. I'm not sure if Jack knew that about Steph. Knew Steph. Because yeah, there's also this like Steph was the regular babysitter of one of like Jack's best friends. So growing up, so it's more of that situation. It wasn't like, but anyway, that kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah. So I think in his mind, it might have just been like, oh, there's that woman Stephanie who watched me and you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, Burbank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just so earnest. Like the all of them are just so earnest with with the way their performances. It just, I think that's what going back a little bit to the finale. I think that's what just broke my heart so much is just their honesty in in every single moment. Um, and I did enjoy how even though things approached being overly melodramatic or sometimes a little bit saccharine, there was always something to pull us back a little bit. Um, you know, they, they start to do a reminisce and Dot says, we don't have time for that. We have to stay on schedule. <laughs> um, or, you know, no, we're not doing this right now. They're always they're always cutting things off and downplaying it, um, so that way they can just keep moving, and then you'll have your big emotion at the end. Um, so, I just appreciate that the humor was never lost, but it was still authentic from all the performers. So, I, I just I don't know why I wanted to say that, but I just felt <laughs> to say it. 
Oh, thank you. And yeah, it's again, it also, as we all got to have our kind of goodbyes with it during, you know, the writing and the board, the storyboarding, the cast also, thankfully, they really gelled and became friends. So they all kind of got to have their chance to say goodbye there too, which was sweet. Um, especially again, especially among the three girls that, uh, yeah, yeah. Steph, uh, Kelly and Lauren really kind of connected and became friends through the show. So yeah, it was very sweet to kind of be able to do that emotion for them too. And they're all great singers, too. That was the best yeah. discovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kelly especially is fantastic. But everybody really was. Um, yeah, it's just nice discoveries of who can sing and how great they can sing. Or on the case of Utkarsh, who voices Fredo, that he can just rattle off long lists of ridiculous things uh, incredibly well. So that was also something I've once yeah. we discovered that talent of his in... One of the episodes in season two, I forget which one now, but it became something we carried forward, I know, into Hero Effect. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, just give him a long list of ridiculous things and he can rattle it off amazingly well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with that, um, do you guys want to say a word of what's next for you, for you guys now that Harvey Street is... You know, the rearview mirror, and I don't, I don't think any of you are going to Cincinnati necessarily. <laughs> I mean, we could dream, dare to go to right. Cincinnati. I mean, dream big, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody's kind of yeah moving on, and um, it's funny. As Aliki and I, I ran into her the other night, and we were joking. Like our goal, I think, is still always like if we can't get this whole, if we can't bring back Harvey Girls, it's just to bring our crew back together on something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that that remains, I think, our big picture goal. But uh, right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm co-EP on a Gremlins cartoon that Warner Brothers is doing that'll come out hopefully in 2021. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll just go around a bit here of whatever other people yeah. are working on. Yeah, I'm currently a staff writer on a live action multicam at Disney Channel. It's called Just Roll With It. Um, and I think season two will probably come out in another year or so. But season one's airing right now. Um, and I am staff writing on Gremlins at <laughs> Warner Brothers. <laughs> Coming out in 2021. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, And I'm working on a couple of different development projects that I can't really talk about or they'll throw me into Hollywood jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the worst jail of all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, when you can talk about them and if they're animated, we are people to talk to. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Most of them are animated. (laughs) Ah, okay. 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 We're making progress. Um, so, guests, do you have a favorite thing, either from the final season, final episode, or just the whole show of Harvey Girls Forever that you want to share with the world? Um, I'll try to go first to give everybody else some time to, <laughs> um, have a, f- a few favorites to call out, uh, kind of like the runner-ups and then my final thing, um, just were things I wanted to get to in this last season, I'm so glad we did, um, one was just for guest spots. I absolutely love having Jackson Public, aka Chris McCullough, in uh, the Dread Pirate Richie as the pirate because it fulfills my own head canon of that like his pirate character from Venture Brothers. This was that guy's <laughs> job as a teenager, um, and just love that guest spot. And also loved having Judy Greer in Miss Adventureland because it's just two voice actors whose work I absolutely love. So getting to have them on Harvey dream come true. Um, I love everything our design team did for VR The World. Like, all those VR mm-hmm. designs are some of my favorite of the whole series. Uh, Shark, Shark Dree, especially. <clears throat> um, and it might be my favorite <laughs> dot in that also. So, love those designs. Um, 
love Bobby of influence all around for all of the ridiculousness of us doing a judge show. But also, fun fact on this, that episode began as a dare of trying to see if we could do an episode that would be all reuse designs. So that our design team to help production and ease kind of production, no new designs would be necessary for an episode. So Mike took said dare and uh, created that episode around part of that being part of the, the mix. Um, but then my last thing, my favorite thing really, truly overall, um, I'm glad, everything about Harvey Endings I love, especially that giant musical number because there was so... I was so afraid at different points that this, if it didn't work, then our whole ending would fall apart, and it didn't, thankfully. Mm. <clears throat> I love, love, love how that came out. But the ending I love as much is actually Harvey Ever After, the oh, kind of yeah. Lucretia wrap-up, which I feel like is just such a... I don't know, Lucretia was always my favorite character, I think, at heart. So really kind of wrapping up her story um, touched me as much as wrapping up the whole series. And I just love the kind of final message of that episode, of kind of like handing any show that you're a fan of back to the fans and kind of how it can live on for you. And I don't know. I just love the message of that episode. So that where the ending of Harvey ever after is one of my favorite things of the whole season. Yeah. That um, was chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, I love anything to do with the bow. And so all of the bows, little visual gags in the background, like where she's flying or like you things <laughs> out of the ground where they were absolutely my favorite. Um, I think in Tapir of Doom, I love Tiny and Lucretia doing all the different like obstacles. I love the, the way they're able to like solve the problem. And I I would personally would love to see a spinoff of this <laughs> together. Um, yeah, I think that dynamic was one of my favorite and most memorable um, aspects of the entire season for me. Yeah. I was going to say, like when, when you first asked favorite thing, what came to my mind was just Tiny going flat and mm-hmm. tapier of doom. <laughs> yeah. Rewatching, I was completely forgot that that was happening. And it delighted me so much. Mm-hmm. Just and it kept happening in the episode. It's just like um makes me so joyous. Um and uh jeez, oh there's so much. But yeah, I'll just stick with that as my favorite thing mm-hmm. that happens in the show. Um, yeah, I think all minds were taken, but I'll uh, <laughs> take the opportunity to um, say just what a great experience it was working with all of our freelance writers. Oh, yeah. This year we had a, you know, a lot of them, uh, Julia Miranda, Joey Mandrino, Marie, obviously, who um, knows the show super well and did an amazing job, and uh, especially Teresa Kale as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did a number of them, and uh, they freelancing is very hard. Um, you're kind of thrust in there, but we uh, got really good luck with the ones who um, really... Um, found the show very easily and uh, were amazing. Yeah. yeah. And actually, just on that, giving a shout out to our other uh, staff writer who wasn't able to make it here today, Rachel McNevin, who, um, yeah, always always amazing. And for her, especially, you know, that Hero Effect episode. Yeah. And also, just amazing and such a perfect end for her. All Harvey's Eve was like, oh, yeah. I think a big, for her to get that baby Huey. Yes. Um, <laughs> episode, that. Yeah. And she's a big horror fan, so I know that was a highlight yeah. for her, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one last highlight, just because it got mentioned, uh, just also want to call out our actress Sarah Baker, who is the voice of Irona, mm-hmm. my who is always fantastic. But the specific gag of hers that I absolutely loved is her pronunciation, or, or just not her pronunciation, her delivery of taper <laughs> in that episode, because we found the thing during the record of her just saying it with the exact same intonation and delivery every single time that word appeared in the script. <laughs> And it just became something that, it, all throughout the post-process, every time I'm hearing that, it would always make me laugh, just her delivery of taper. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing? 
I do. I'm going to go the exact opposite and pick a very singular specific moment uh, because I can't speak to the whole season, obviously. Uh, (laughs) I loved in the Casper episode, uh, there's the runner of Richie trying to figure out who Casper reminds him of and what that is. And just the stinger at the end of this, that run of jokes of just, uh, I'll never figure it out. He's going to haunt me. It's such a simple, beautiful joke, though. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't expecting it, and yet I needed it. <laughs> Chris, how about yourself? I think for me, it's Audrey in the finale of her her breakdown and her understanding, and just what if fun is not infinite, you know? Um, <laughs> and the, her realization, wait, fun can be dangerous? And just this <laughs> breaking of her. She's just, wait a minute, why did wait, why didn't anyone tell me that fun can be dangerous? I just enjoyed Audrey's, her her personal breakdown and growth through that episode. It was just fun to see. <laughs> oh, she's so great. She is, yeah. yeah. You miss all of them. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to all of you and to have uh, you back here, here for the first time. Uh, we love Harvey Girls Forever. Audience, keep streaming. Thank you, guests, for being here with us today. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. We love your podcast. And thank you guys always for being so supportive and such advocates for the show, too. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Shall we talk homework time? Yes. For your homework, for real this time, Go see all the Oscar-nominated animated shorts. Then we'll regroup after the Oscars and discuss them. For real. Go see them. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. And special thank you to all of our guests, Brendan Hay, Mike Yank, Sarah Nervosa, and Marie Chang for spending time with us today. Yes, thank you so very much. We so appreciated it. And you can find us on the web at WG Animated on Twitter, on Facebook.com slash WG Animated. Like our page there. And you can find our show notes and past episodes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And if you're discovering Harvey Girls Forever through us magically and not discovering us through Harvey Girls Forever, which I think is more likely the case, uh, you can also check our post on Twitter to find all of our uh, guests' Twitter accounts to follow as needed there and learn all about what they're doing in the future. Well, Chris, I uh, know it's time to say goodbye, so I hope that wherever you go, it's always podcast recording day. Thank you. The same. I feel exactly the same. Aw. Thanks. I'm getting misty. It's like you're moving away all over again. I mean, I already moved to not Cincinnati. I know. I know. I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. One might call it the Cincinnati of the West Coast. (laughs) Good night, everybody.